Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the TES International Podcast with me, Dan Worth. Today's guest is Matt Seddon, the secondary principal at Bangkok Pattern School in Thailand, who started throw in August last year, having previously worked at Kellett School, the British International School in Hong Kong. He talks to us about how one of the first initiatives he launched on taking up his new role was a radical shift in how targets for students' academic outcomes are now set, shifting from the teacher setting them to the pupil. He talks to us about the opportunities and challenges this presented, from addressing accountability concerns with staff to explaining the change clearly to parents, and the importance of sharing data with students to help them understand where they should be aiming for their final assessment outcomes. He also shares the leadership skills used to make such a big shift so early in a new role, including how he used the time it takes for a train to travel from Peterborough to London to help outline the rationale for the change. All that and lots more on the latest TES International Podcast. Matt, hi there. Welcome to the TES International Podcast. Great to chat with you. Um, we've been saying that we've been talking on email for what, probably a year. We've never met in person, but here we are on Zoom, but obviously audio for the listeners. Um, how are you today? Hi, Dan. Do, doing great, thanks. Really, really good to, to meet with you in person too. And it's a glorious day here in Bangkok. Yeah, we should say you're in Bangkok. You're the secondary principal of the Bangkok Patina School. And I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation about targets and target setting for pupils. And what's so interesting about this is, is you're, you're quite new into the school when you did this. But before we dive right into that, can you just give us a little bit of like a potted history of your career? How is it you've come to be at the school you're at? You know, where did you start? Where, how and how have you got there? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dan. And so I started my teaching career in the UK in Cambridgeshire. Um, and was really sort of focused on pastoral leadership and student well-being, um, working at various schools around the area in Cambridgeshire. In 2011, um, got a wonderful opportunity to move to Hong Kong, um, moved to Kellett School, the British school in Hong Kong, to set up their pastoral system um, from scratch. At the time, the senior school was um, perhaps a growing school, and I had the opportunity to be part of that founding leadership team, which, which, which grew it into the school that it is today. Um, Worked there for 10 years, uh, moved into deputy head there and, and really loved my time there at, at Kelly School. Really, really wonderful school, great city. Um, and, and, and as my leadership experience grew and, and my academic leadership, it was time um, to move on to the next, you know, the next step as it was principal. Um, kind of started looking at the same time that COVID hit. Mm. So I actually took a backward step in terms of where I was looking at, I was, um, we took a family decision to stop looking so actively because of the travel restrictions and the, the challenges that were, were coming with COVID. Um, and then the Bangkok pattern job came up. It was one of the, the few schools in my, my very top list. Um, and, I, and I sort of went back to my wife and said, no, I, I'd really like to put this back on the table. Um, it's, it's a top, top school. I'd really love for our family to move to Bangkok. Right. And, uh, uh, it, it was it was really important with the same ethos, very similar ethos to to my heart and and to the school that I was previously working at Kellett in Hong Kong. And um, as I said, it was one of the, the the few schools that I wanted to move to during COVID, and I was fortunate enough to be appointed. and And here I am in glorious sunny Bangkok. Yeah, I love it when those kind of stories are serendipitous. You know that you sort of almost the moment you sort of think, "Nah, it's not going to happen," it happens. And you know, if we've all got stories of that in life, aren't we? That's great. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, obviously, so you're in role now. Which you started in, am I right saying August last year? It started in August, that's right. And, and it was a really strange time to start a new school because at the time Bangkok was hit in, was hit with its first restrictions. Um, Thailand had kept relatively COVID free and, and was able to live 
relatively normal life until sort of just before the summer last year. So it was quite a shock to the community's system. Um, and so, yeah, started here with no students and no staff on, on site. So that was a really strange time to <laughs> <Yeah>. be started <laughs> your new job, particularly at a school that, that's renowned for being such a warm community when you uh, couldn't actually see anybody. Yeah, I think that's, an, that's so interesting. We've, we at Tez, you know, we've had new reporters join, like really excellent young reporters, but I do feel for them a bit because they're not always able to meet everyone in the office, you know, that kind of buzz of getting to know what people are like. But obviously we are in and seeing each other, but it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing. I can imagine a new school, yeah, you know, the people, the pupils, the teachers, that is the, that's what it is, right? And if you can't meet them straight away, it's a bit of a funny thing. Absolutely. And so, so just out from day one, prioritised relationships. Yeah. Couldn't get the students in straight away, but I could arrange to meet all of my staff one-on-one. So for, for those who wanted to come in, we, you know, I cleared time to meet with them all individually. And, and for anyone that wanted to do it remotely, we did it that way too. But that, that was an absolute priority because if I didn't have the start of a relationship, you've got, you know, how can you have any trust? How can you move things forward? And then, then the students came later, about halfway through the last time. And we're now all back on camera well, that's, that's- and it's great at the moment. Yeah, that's good. As I say, everyone's sort of, sort of normal now, but you know, yeah. normal as the world is these days. Yeah, um, excellent. Well, that that sets the scene really nicely for what we're going to talk about in detail, which is obviously is a new head coming in. I expect there were lots of things you were looking at, thinking like, obviously, you know, want to keep some things are great, they can stay as they are. Other things, I think there's improvements there. Like I said at the start, target setting and targets for, for pupils is something that you are obviously identified quite quickly. Can you tell us exactly what it is you saw and what you've put in place? Because I think listeners are going to find that very interesting. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh... And, and perhaps a disclaimer at the start of this as well, and, and particularly to any of my staff who are listening now, I'm, part, of, part of me is that, you know, I am a change agent. I, I do love to, um, to look at things with fresh eyes and creatively. Um, but one of the things I was really committed to was not changing too much in my, in my first days because as, you know, you've got this wonderful school, this, this rich history. Um, you know, it's so well known in the community. I want to get to know everything about it. But the one thing that I felt couldn't wait um whilst i'd sitting on my hands in some other areas was was this area of target setting because i felt that we weren't being ambitious enough with our our data-driven student targets um we spoke about having ambitious targets and we we you know we have had a lot of learning and a lot of professional learning on that but i felt they weren't perhaps being ambitious enough and and i felt that we needed to move now to address that and the reason for that is if we don't do it now, it's going to be three years before we see the impact by, by moving now, which is perhaps a little bit more quickly than I would have liked. Um, we, we have the opportunity to accelerate that through, through to two years. Um, and so what, what we use, um, we use the Chem Suite for data, Midgis, Yelis, Alice. Um, I'm sure that many of the listeners will, will be familiar with that and we'll use that or, or similar. Um, really fantastic um, tool for you know, predicting how a student should perform in their subjects for their ability. A student of this ability is likely to perform at this level in English, maths, and science, et cetera, and all the different subjects. But when I, when I was looking at it, I just felt that we weren't, for a school of our stature, for a school of our, our history, you know, for our context, I didn't feel that the target setting was ambitious enough. So I really um, started working with the, the secondary leadership team to, to, to try and identify why that was what some of the barriers may have been, um, what was stopping us from doing that. Mm. And what, what, did you, what did you find were the barriers? A number. And, and it, in all of these things, it's really don't want to oversimplify 
you know, a very complex issue. You know, achievement is, is so multifaceted. There's so many different things going on. But when it comes down to the target setting, if you look at the targets against our achievement, we were, um, I believe, I believe there was a, you know, perhaps some questions about the negative side of accountability where teachers were not setting the targets because of their own perception of how that, that, that may reflect upon themselves. You'd have to speak to the individuals, you know, I wouldn't want to speak for people, but the analogy that I, I loved to draw was um, based from my hometown. I'm from Peterborough originally in Cambridgeshire. When I moved to Peterborough in 1990, there's a direct train line from Peterborough to London. It's, you know, Peterborough is often known as a London overspill town. In 1990, when I moved to Peterborough, it took 43 minutes to get from Peterborough to London. That was at the time. In 2019, it took 49 minutes. It took longer to get from Peterborough to London, which was absolutely crazy because the trains haven't got any slower. There's, there's no other stops in the way. There's, there's absolutely no good reason. And, and what's really interesting when you look beyond that is that what happened between 1990 and, and 2019 was um, a system of fines and rewards for hitting your targets. And so actually for the train operators, it was detrimental for them to say that the time that it took to get from Peterborough to London was 43 yeah. minutes. It was actually beneficial for them to extend the time and to, to say, actually, it takes longer. Um, it now takes 49 minutes. And for them to show regularly they were hitting that target. And, and that was the, the parallel that I, I drew with staff. And I, I just wondered whether there was some of that going on in, in education that actually we can show we hit our targets if we have less ambitious targets. In the same way with the train, actually, it's not better for the consumer. It's not better for the person who wants to travel because you're getting told it's going to take you longer. And, and so here we are in education. So yeah, I've, I felt that was, that was how I sort of spoke to the staff about it. And the biggest thing that I felt we could do to remove that barrier um, was for me to very publicly... Um, with the staff commit to the fact that the target is not the teacher's target. The target is the student's target and only the student's target. And that the teacher was not going to be held accountable for whether the student did or didn't hit that target if it was more ambitious. Now, of course, that was probably widely met with some skepticism and some, some lack of trust. They didn't you know, yet have the relationships with with the teachers or they, they were developing. So if there's any doubt, I'm here doing a podcast on the test and if anyone wants to hold me to account for my words publicly, they can, they can play them back to me. And so, so I'm, I'm saying that to my staff, these are the students' targets and they, they can set them at, at whatever level they want them to be. Of course, we guide them. We use our, our media software to say, okay, well, this is what a student of your ability should do. Looking at the context of this school and how this normally performs, this is a good starting point. And, and for GCSE, we'd say, you know, one level higher than midgets is a really good starting point for, for a school like this. Above the IB, we're an IB school, not an A-level, 0.3 um, above that. That's sort of our context. And that's the starting point that we gave to the students. And then we said to them, but these are your targets. What do you want your target to be? And we also provided them, you know, with probability graphs to help them inform that. And if they wanted to go higher, they went higher. And we weren't having the teachers... Um, stop that and, and teachers felt I hope empowered to to be freed from from that and to allow them to be higher um, 
because you know they they weren't going to be a test against those those targets. So at the, at the bottom of this, I guess, is what I really believe that if the, the student is aiming high, and that's an intrinsic motivation for them that they want to achieve that. If they're achieving, you know, if that's their aim, if there's great teaching and learning going on in the classroom, and and also if there's you know, a training plan, if things are not going right, then that's what I'm interested in in my staff. I want to know that the teaching and learning is excellent and that the intervention, the training plan, when things are, you know, when they're not on course to meet their targets, that the, the teachers are working together with students for that. That's what I care about. And I believe if that's yeah. right, the rest will follow. Well, that, that's it's a very interesting, I mean, you know, putting it mildly, sort of approach as a, as a new head to come in and put something like forward. It's interesting you sort of acknowledge that staff may have been a bit sceptical. I'm just thinking, can you can you delve a little bit more into that in terms of are there any ways you've been able to sort of show staff quite categorically that this is now a shift onto the student away from them? Is there any sort of, or is it more, is it a trust thing where you have to say, look, that is the truth. And when we get to our first set of exam results on these on this cohort, if they fall short of what we've set on their targets, I'm not going to come knocking on your door saying what went wrong. It's going to be or you know it'll be, it'll be the student that we kind of think oh that's a shame they didn't reach the standard we know they wanted to at, at this stage it's a trust thing and um and mm. so so at, at the core of you know working with these staff i'm really wanting to develop relationships and really invest in that but at this stage it has to be a trust thing and um and and that's going to be a, an enjoyable journey for us to go on and the other parallel that i drew with them was was the difference between um, two two athletic um, comparisons, if you like. One is the idea of a pole vault, and then sometimes where teachers are looking at targets that they think might be, in their opinion, too high for a student, they might think of a pole vault, and they might, you know, have that image of of the athlete trying really hard, but ultimately not being able to get themselves up over over the over the bar. That's sort of one scenario that I, I painted. And what I will challenged them was to flip it and to think of it rather than as the pole vault and to focus on this target but to think of the sergeant jump sergeant jump is is where uh, i'm i'm using my arms here and you can't see them but when when an athlete stands against the wall and touches um as high as they can and you mark that and then over time they go on their training plan and they work on their you know their muscles their strength and conditioning and they, they practice their technique and it's about how much higher they can jump afterwards at the end of the training plan. And so what I really wanted to work with the staff was is flipping the narrative. So it's not about focusing on the pole vault and this daunting bar to get over, but it's where are they now and how high can you push them? How high can you help them through your training plan, the teaching and learning, the great work that's going on in the classrooms, the interventions, that's the training plan. Um, and, and I'm absolutely of the belief that if they focus on that, um, and allow the students to have the targets that they they want that they aspire to you know you look at Cal Dweck's work on growth mindset when you put that together with great teaching and learning I'm absolutely convinced they will have a positive outcome on on student achievement mm. and I mean I love the analogies we're getting here we had train times we've had pole vaulting I mean I'm sure there's some more good ones to come but they both they both work very well to, to sort of touch on the the things you're talking about and I suppose we're talking about students here a lot and, and you know, that this is on them. So again, how did you, how was it communicated to them? How have you felt it, it's gone? You know, have they, have some of them, I suspect you've had some who've really taken it to the point, yeah, I'm a, I'm a top student. I'm really going to go for it. Some who maybe doubt their abilities a bit, but do you also get some who kind of 
you also get a sense of they're playing safe or they're overestimating. You have to sort of rein them in a bit or do you just say, no, if you want to go for that, if you think you can get that, we'll support you. There's a lot there to unpack. Um, yes. <laughs> you, get the, you get the whole range of everything. Um, you get some students who, you know, who will have looked at it and gone, okay, whatever you suggest as a starting point, we'll go with that. And, mm-hmm. and don't really um, invest much more. And, and then you get the, both of the extremes that you just talked about, those who, who are lacking confidence or, or may have other well-being issues at, at play. Um, and those who, as you said, might be, mm. might be looking for really perhaps targets that some might say was overambitious. But what I would say, certainly looking at the, the former, if you look at the probability graphs and, and great software like uh, Chem, Midius, Yelis, Alice, they will give you the probability of, of a student being able to, to do that. And if a member of staff turned around to me and said, there's only a 1% chance of that student getting that target, how, how could we support that? You know, it's, it's unlikely. Mm. I would flip in and say, so there's a 1% chance of that student getting that target. And who are we to say that they can't have that as their target to, to go and mm. work on that? And so in those cases where the, the student wanted to, to push it higher, you know, even higher than the contextual-based starting point that we had, the, the, we would encourage the student to go and speak to their teachers. Um, so they'd go and have a conversation with the teacher and say, Do you know what, actually, the identified starting point for me is a B. I want to go for an A star. The teacher would have that conversation with the probability and say, you know, it's a low probability uh, for someone of your ability but you're telling me that you're committed to this and you really want to work on this. So let's, you know, let's do this. Um, and we're going to back mm. in. So the, the teacher would sign off on that conversation to support it. But um, that, that was more of an indication of the conversation has, ha- has taken place mm. rather than permission because I kept, we always go back to, it's not our target to set, it's the students. Likewise, if, if anyone's at the, the bottom end, again, the form tutor would be picking them up and, and looking at them and saying, you know, having those motivational talks, helping them again, going back to the, the probability graphs and saying, you know, I know you're lacking in self-belief, but look at the odds are massively in your favor when you're at a school like Bangkok Patina, which, you know, has all the advantages that it has. Um, you know, we, we've got great belief in you and, and, and I think you could can do better. Now, the student will either go with that or they won't. At the end of the day, it is the, the student's target. Um, in general, it's been a really, really positive response from the, the student body. We didn't have um, some of the perceived conflict that we thought we may have. Uh, we had some really healthy conversations around data that took place with the staff. And, and we've now got students um, who are, you know, a term of the way, just over a term of the way into their GCSEs and their IB courses with these ambitious targets. And, and the challenge now is how do we help them? Yes, it's very interesting. And that, that sort of data element is so interesting because we, we talk about, we hear that a lot in, in the idea of education. And yet, sometimes it's a kind of, there's a slight disconnect between we know data is really important. And yet, how do we then use it to, to drive decision making? And it sounds like that's very much happening here. And that idea of a student who's, who, under, who doubts himself, and you can say, look, this is your scores thus far. This is what you attract to. You know, you should be aiming up there. Um, and I thought that, the, again, the idea of a student who really wants that A star and the data says, well, unlikely. But it seems like that's quite, a, if, if it's delivered in the right way, that could be quite a powerful motivator, couldn't it? For that student to kind of think, oh, okay, I, I'm going to have to sort of engage a bit more, push it myself a bit more. I want to hit that target. And hopefully that is the way they respond to it. But again, I, that, I can imagine that's, that works quite well. Yeah, it's a motivator at both ends. Um, mm. 
in the same way that you've got the student and, and, and the most, you know, perhaps who is not self-aware of their potential and their ability and the motivator there, you've also got at the top end for the student who's very likely to get the A star, the probability graph that shows, well, there's still a 5% charge you're going to see. Mm. Or, or, or even 1% charge you've got a D. You know, people of your ability do mess up in these exams. And so it's a motivator at both ends, um, which, which is really interesting. Yeah. And, and I suppose the final um, element of this is, is the parent community side of it. I mean, how did you, if at all you did, I presume you did like communicate this to parents. Was it, and was that done like in a really sort of an official communication or was it a bit more, more ad hoc? And, and what was the response like? There, there was, um, yeah, again, great question. We, we did it in a number of ways. We, we published a magazine article, which really explained, we have, we have our, our weekly school magazine. And so out there, we really outlined the vision um, and why we're doing that and really emphasize the importance of um, the context of the student and their ability, you know, their cognitive ability, the context of the school, and then the individual and, and, and their, um, you know, just because they could perform in music, music might not be, you know, their particular passion. And, and so there's the three things, you know, the ability of that student, context, school, the individual. We explained that to the parents um, through magazine articles. We wrote to them um, and we also really explained that, particularly in the context of, um, of of COVID where we're at the moment and whether exams do or don't take place, there's a, a little bit of tension around that and understanding of of target setting. But at the bottom of it, we're saying, we believe in your students and without pressure, we're inviting them to have higher targets. Um, and, and that's something that I think everybody can buy into because it's certainly not a, you know, there's this, this negative idea of accountability as much as that's something I want to avoid for the staff. I want to avoid it for the students too. And, and by the students having the ownership and the, you know, the, the belief in themselves through setting those targets, I hope we can avoid that. And then also when, you know, when, when they come back and they say, oh, I'm struggling to meet this target, it's, it's an easy conversation. Well, this is the conversation you, you know, this is the target you've set for yourself. Um, let's go back to, to why we've made, you know, you've made these decisions, why you set at that level and, and what needs to happen next. And that's the key question. And, and can the target be revised? You know, if, if people think, oh, I've overestimated here or, or underestimated indeed, can they... You know, at some point along the way, can you say actually we're going to we're going to bump it up a bit or bring it down? Um, we're we're at the moment. The the current thinking is that we don't want to tar- targets down, and we're, we're going to lead targets there. Nothing's ever black and white. So let's let's start with that. And I, I, I don't believe in any situation there's a this can never happen because I think there's always yeah. contexts and always situations where where that can. But in general, we don't want to bring targets down. Uh, we want to, the students have the belief in what they they're doing and, and and to go for that can targets be put up yeah of course they can um if a student's um has felt that they'd not set a target high enough and they were they were already tracking to to outperform that target we'd first want to celebrate that they've you know they're achieving that target and they give them the opportunity and the recognition of you know that moment we, we don't want to be an ever moving goalpost, which i think is a, a trap that can be fallen into um, so we celebrate it, and if they want to move it upwards, then then we can do. But we're 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 really trying to resist moving them down because I want to take it back to that train analogy of um of the underperformance that the the railway companies had because of of that system. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, 
So on a, on a more broad question, but this this idea of these target setting, I mean, is this like, I mean, are you aware of other schools operating like this? You know, do you talk to other heads? Is this where you've got this idea from? Is this an idea you've taken in from from a sort of a, the business world somewhere you picked up? And, and you know, do you, yeah, but just to know where you felt this came from. It's really um, an amalgamation of many ideas. Lots, lots of schools are using data in, you know, very intelligent ways. Um, particularly interested at the moment in looking at the triangulation with academic data and well-being data on a, on a very personal level then to really dig deep and see, you know, to really understand the student there. Lots of schools are doing that very, very well. There's some great work going on um, all over the globe on ambitious target settings. But, but for me, um, it was linking that with the, the sort of work from positive psychology and, and some of the learnings of Cal Dweck about growth mindsets. I was just seeing how this could all come together was was sort of playing around in my mind. And then the third part of that, I guess, is being new to the school and and having to build up trust with the staff and relationships and and at the same time being aware of not wanting to change too much in my first term. What what is the safe way that I can do this um without feeling that I was putting everybody to, you know, a really negative system of accountability in order to raise the targets it was just all of those things coming together so you know that was the need this is my belief in in people and ability and what they can achieve when they put their mind to great things and, and this is how we can use data to underperform it and and what's the biggest barrier here um for, for me it's you know self-preservation of people um you know feeling that they are their targets and and I guess for want of a better analogy, I, I said to the staff, if um, my boss here at the school, I, I've got targets as principal that that have been set for me. And it, if I don't meet the targets, I've not met the targets. It's not him that hasn't met the targets. It's not my boss, uh, Mills, who hasn't hit the targets. What I, you know, what's, I guess his role in this is to work with me um, to give me every opportunity to succeed at, to meet my targets to uh to help me when I need help and to coach me when I need coaching, but they're my targets. And and the same is true of my staff. Um, you know, everyone's got their own targets that they've agreed through their line management and their performance management. But if if an English teacher doesn't hit their targets, the English teacher hasn't hit their targets. You know, the personal targets, not data driven targets. It's not the head of English that hasn't hit them. And and this, you know, the same across the school and and I sort of brought it straight back. It's the same with the students. These are the students' targets, not yours as a teacher. And I think, um, I just, I guess I pose the question in education, have we lost sight of that? And are we getting that wrong? Because so many times targets are set for the teachers and for classes which are data-driven. Um, and then the knock-on effect is that that gets pushed on to the, the students in, in, a, in a way that I don't think is healthy. That is, that is an interesting way of looking at it. And I suppose there'll be people listening to this who may sort of sort of say, oh, yes, but a teacher pupil relationship is different to a school head of school and a school owner kind of relationship. But 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 at the same time, it's a very interesting way of looking at it. And, and I think the way you've sort of talked about how, what you've put in place and how you're doing it, and it's clearly not this kind of glib, oh, this is the, it's now all on the pupils and that's it. It's clearly a well thought through thing. You know, we sort of, sort of addresses some of that. But I'd, I'd be, anyone listening to this, I'd be fascinated to know what they think of this maybe get them in touch on Twitter or send us an email because I think it's a very interesting area. So it's a really sort of be interesting if anyone else is doing something similar on this. And, you know, as a final question on this, 
are you aware of other schools doing this or, you know, just generally or anyone, other heads you've ever spoken to like this? Or do you think you're kind of, I'd say unique, but, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to go that far. I think, I think the, the yeah. school's doing similar things. I think this is my spin on it and, and sort of pulling together a few different strands. Um, and, and it was particularly important for, you know, from my context as being new in this school um, and, and not having those relationships to really think about what the barriers were. So, yeah, I, I'm sure that there are similar things going on, but it was a, a bespoke version of that, you know, due to the situation I found myself in. And and with our team here, with the you know, got a great senior leadership team here. We really had to to dig deep and um and buy into that first. And um, and I guess one of the things I should have said, we we really brought the middle leaders into the the picture on this. So that was a really important part of the journey. Was um presenting them with the data and helping them to understand it. I was a little bit dishonest with them and I, and I hope they'll forgive me, but I presented them with a, a case study of, of data and, and I alluded to it being another school, but of course it was, it was our own school. And, and so I anonymized the data and I, and I asked them to, to sort of look at the target setting and the, the performance and we could drill down into it using, we use Power BI, um, could drill into it by subject and, and the, the middle leaders came to the same conclusion that their outcome at the end of that meeting was, don't believe the target setting in the school is, is high enough. Um, I think they should be setting their targets higher because they could see the link between those that did set higher targets and higher achievement and those that did set lower targets were getting lower achievement. And then I, I apologized to them um, unreservedly for misleading them and revealed that it was, you know, it was, it was our own school data. Um, but they'd come up with a solution by that point and they'd said, no, what well, yeah. we've done is higher targets. So, so getting that buy-in there and that case study was really important because otherwise it would have been a very top-down thing. Yes. But, but I mean, it, to your, you know, you're saying it's, it's dishonest, but it, but it's a, it's a clever way of, like say, helping people reach the conclusion you want them to reach because actually they had the same, you know, the same ideas, really. They, they see what you see. It was see. mischievously dishonest. And, and yes. again, it was removing <laughs> a removing a barrier because if I'd have said that this is the, the Bangkok pattern of data, analyze it, everyone would have got defensive about their own school, about their team. And, and, and what I wanted to do was just remove any emotions around that and, and to just connect with data and just to look at a case study and then to make some recommendations. And so, so that was a really healthy conversation and we've got in a really talented group of middle leaders um, and then getting their buy-in then when we went to the wider um, body of the you know the staff was critical mm. no that that makes a lot of sense and i think that's, that's like you said not to not be too top down in that approach and help it be a collaborative sort of we're going in the same direction it makes a lot of sense um but the one question i did want to ask you as a final maybe a final question on this is you, you talked a bit earlier about you didn't want to come in and, and change lots of things and, and so forth but at the same time you, you know you're a change agent and, and you've done this big this this piece of work that you're doing that, which is quite a big thing, and it is a new thing to come in. Like you said, it could have been, it could have been interpreted the wrong way, and it could have caused consternation among staff. Maybe as a leader, how is it that you, you know, what what makes you able to make that decision? You know, the, the day when you wake up, think right, I'm gonna, we're going to that decision today. I'm gonna announce it. You know, how easy, how did you straddle that line between thinking, play it safe, first year, just do, just keep everything as it is, and then think about it and think, no, I'm gonna take action now, week three. You know, how as a leader do you, for other leaders listening to this particularly? How do you make sure you, how do you drive through those kind of changes? I, I think for me, it came down to my um, moral compass on this one. And, and I don't want to sound 
you know, like a hippie is all about the students. But it was all about the students. Yeah. My, my moral compass was saying, if we, I believe that changing this will have an impact on our student attainment. I believe that they will do better in their, whether it's their GCSEs and IBs, I believe that will improve their portfolio and, and improve their life chances, I guess, effectively in, mm. in the end. And, and, and I was just wrestling with that. And I was, it was when I realized that if we don't do this, it's three years. We, we don't see the outcome for three years. And could I really sit on my conscious conscience for, for, for these students in two years' time and, and know we could have perhaps been asking, you know, hoping for more of them and, and encouraging them to hope for more themselves, more importantly. And yeah, that, that, that's where I go from that. And, and what I'm really careful is to do is to paint the picture. This is a simple equation that doing A equals B. It, it, it's not, it's, it's really complex, but, and, and, you know, the other side of this is student well-being. You know, we're seeing students who are, are current students in year 11 who are about to sit their GCSEs. Their last normal year before COVID was year eight. When you stop and think about that, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and so you look at the well-being side of this as well and the, the massively complex picture of the, the world that's been painted for these students. And, and so just putting it all together, I just... I just felt that we couldn't wait on this. I, you know, I, my belief was, was there that this is going to make a big impact and I just didn't think it was right. It wasn't right for our community for us to not do that. Yeah. And that was what was, was driving that. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it makes a lot of sense. I suppose, like you say, the idea of looking at it, think about the time it takes to enact a change and then see the impact of that change. Any, any waiting while maybe appealing you know you think yeah let's wait let's, let's see where it will land lies like you say actually you think well long term that's going to mean another 12 months of waiting to the impact and then refining it maybe we've just got to get on with it right and i think yeah something that a lot of people couldn't understand like, particularly in a system where we do have to wait for those cycles to see the data let's let's act and yeah and sometimes you do and 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 so i, I guess this was one of those situations where um I, I, I hope I'd, I'd made a good inroad with my relationships with the staff. Um, you know, that, that was so important to me to spend time with all the staff and, and to get to know them and continues to be important to me because without that relationship, you know, you have got nothing. You can't do anything. And so I guess I, I hope maybe there was some, some goodwill um, riding alongside my appointment. And, uh, you know, you always get that as a, you know, as a new leader in a situation, you always get the, you know, first couple of months where people will, uh, will, will perhaps give you some grace and some goodwill, but at the same time, you don't want to be a disruptor and, and you want to honour this, this amazing school that's come, you know, usually you, it's there before you and you've come to work and you love. It's just that balancing point. Yes, I mean, like, I'll use an analogy now, which is like, you, you make things like a football manager comes in, don't they? And often a team that's the same squad of players suddenly transforms and, and wins three games in a row and gets out of the relegation zone just because that, that new person comes in and reinvigorates the place and but actually doesn't often change a lot the, the team is the same or one player comes in or out but you know the, but then long term they start to lay the foundations for something much better hopefully which obviously I'm not, yeah maybe not relegation zone isn't the right analogy here for your school but you know it's from from, from playoffs to the, the the winning the league sort of thing you know but the analogy of that new new person coming in is, is the key thing there and yeah no, it's, it's a powerful one 
I mean, there's so much to this. I'm sure lots of leaders here will be really interested in this. Are you happy? You know, is there an email address people can contact you if they want to know more or have a chat or work out, ask any sort of more specific questions to you? Yeah, absolutely. And and please feel free to put um, put my email address in the link once you share this. But my email address is um, mace, M-A-S-E, at patterner.ac.th. Uh, very happy to be contacted there. Very happy to be contacted via Twitter as well, uh, Matt said and BKK. Um, you know, really, really love to connect with people and, and share ideas. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a data geek at heart, uh, math, originally a math teacher and a statistician. Um, um, lo- love to hear from anybody. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm sure you will. I mean, I think, I think people just be very interested in that. And um, I think it'd be very interesting as well for us to sort of talk again in, what, so what we're saying, two years' time. So what, yeah. 2024? Which seems impossibly far away, doesn't it? But we all know it will, it will rock it around. So maybe at some point then when you have that first set of data and we can see, you know, how the students performed and there'll be hopefully some really interesting case studies of yeah, the student, you know, they aimed, they aimed here, they got even higher kind of thing. And, then, you know, I think be that, that will be then the sort of finishing the loop for the first set of data and how it goes from there. So a project to keep an eye on for sure. That'd be fantastic. And hopefully and by that point, the students that are coming after, there's a, there's a culture change there of, yes. of, of you know, trust in the in the process here well that, that's great thank you so much for sharing that and um, you know good luck with the with the ongoing projects and all the other things i'm sure you'll you'll start to bring in i mean i know you're doing lots of different things there that we haven't really had time to talk about but you know always always interesting to hear about any you know really delve into a specific topic and hear about that and um yeah i'm sure we'll speak in the future on more of the things that you implement and how they develop Th- thanks so much dad it's been great speaking with you